Well, uh, thanks, Jazz. Man, isn't it uh, so exciting and encouraging to hear what God is doing in our church family, in our church body, um, to advance the mission? Um, We've been praying for several years behind the scenes that God would give us uh, what we we were calling a culture of sending. That's not an original term. We uh, borrowed that from a pastor named J.D. Greer in North Carolina. But um, uh, what we mean by that, and what they meant by that, to be fair, (laughs) is, uh, is just that we want a culture in our church where we all expect to do missions. Right, where we just expect that we're going on short-term mission trips and long-term mission trips, and we're considering church plants and, and helping, helping with church plants, planting churches. Uh, we're considering whether the Lord might be calling us to full-time missions. Those are the kinds of things that we want to, uh, just to have in kind of the DNA of our church. We just anticipate being sent out on mission all the time, and we're thinking missionally about every single interaction and relationship that we have. And so this is a huge step in that direction. The Lord is creating that sort of culture in us, um, and we get to send a missionary out from our church. And I remember thinking when, uh, when this kind of all came about with jazz, probably a year and a half or two years ago, um, that I've always been in churches who supported missionaries and wanted to wanted to like do mission stuff, but I've never actually been in a church where, where I saw a send out an active church member that I had worshiped with and fellowshiped with and knew. Uh, and so I am so thankful and so excited that we get to do that as CBC. And I'm thankful that, uh, um, for just for the ways that the Lord has worked in jazz and jazz for how you've been sensitive to the Lord's call on your life. So, uh, really, really exciting. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 67 for a few minutes today. And we're going to consider um, the mission that we are called to and sent out on. And we're going to consider the way that it relates to us as worshipers and to our worship. But before we get there, uh, as we're giving sort of extra focus to missions today, which feels really appropriate when I saw like what the backdrop was going to look like, this like global thing. It feels really appropriate that uh, providentially we're having sort of this missions emphasis today, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, but I, I want to share some news um, with you guys from Link Up Missions. So if you have not been around our church for long, uh, Link Up is a missions organization that we've been partnered with for about seven or eight years, and they are uh, reaching out to an unreached people group in Brazil called the Quilombolas. Uh, the Quilombolas are like off the beaten path in the Amazon rainforest, and uh, like in villages that have no running water and no electricity, that's, that's kind of who they were. Uh, and when we first encountered them through Link Up several years ago, uh, no, there were no Christians among the Quilombolas. Um, they hadn't heard about the Bible, they hadn't heard about Jesus, hadn't heard the gospel. And so we started praying several years ago that we would see the Quilombolas crossed off of the unreached people group list in our lifetime. And uh, I, I got an email this week with an, uh, uh, that had an update from, uh, from Link Up that said they've actually been crossed off the unreached people group now. Yeah. Yeah. Can we celebrate that? <laughs> yeah. That's worth celebrating. We had this, uh, we had a kind of a, a vision for it, asking the Lord to, um, to reach that many to convert that many uh, in the Quilombola community in like 20, 30, 40 years, and he's done it in seven. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, That, I think, just needs to remind us that the Lord is at work, that the gospel and the word is powerful. It does not return empty when it goes out, and God is on the move. 
Like that just builds up my faith and my hope and my excitement for the mission when I, when I hear that. Uh, so providentially, you know, I just heard that, I just found out about that this week too. And uh, the timing of all these things sort of collided. Um, but we want to rejoice in what God is doing and has done and is going to continue to do um, in and around our church and, and around the world. Uh, but we are going to, uh, to turn our attention for just a few minutes this morning to Psalm 67. And this is a psalm that really captures the essence of Christian mission. This is the word of the Lord. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Yeah, we could just stop there. (laughs) Uh, John Piper has said, and I think this encapsulates the message of Psalm 67 very clearly and helpfully. He said, missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. That's the essence of Psalm 67. The psalmist asks that God's saving power might be known among all nations so that all the peoples would praise him. You know, there are a lot of really good reasons to care about evangelism and to care about missions. A lot of them. Um, We want people to be saved from eternal condemnation and destruction in hell and from the wrath of God on their sin. We want them to, uh, to experience eternal life and joy in heaven. That's good. We should want that. Uh, we want people to be saved and to believe and obey the Bible because, honestly, we, like, we truly believe the world would be a lot better place, though not a perfect place, but a much better place if more and more people uh, believed and obeyed the Bible and believed and served God. That's good. We should want that. It's not, none of those and no other reason, as good as they might be, is the ultimate reason for missions. The ultimate reason for missions is so that Jesus gets more glory. Yeah. We want people to know and worship Jesus. That all the peoples would praise him. That's the ultimate reason that we want people to be saved. That's the ultimate reason that we move out on mission. Uh, We move out in evangelism um, so that more people would know and love and worship him so that he receives more of the glory that's due to his name. That's the end goal of everything that's ever existed in human history. (laughs) The glory of God is the end of all things. God in his goodness, and this is very good and very kind, uh, in his goodness, God has inextricably wrapped up his glory which is the right end of all things with our good and our benefit and our flourishing. He did not have to do that, but he did, which means as we pursue the end game of the glory of God, um, we are actually pursuing what's best for us too. Isn't that kind of a holy, a holy God to reach down to sinners that way? That's what we were talking about earlier. But the ultimate goal of all things and the ultimate goal of our evangelism and of our mission is the glory of God. It's that more people would worship the name of Jesus. 
We get a glimpse of the end result of this in Revelation chapter 7. The Apostle John has a vision of what eternity is going to look like. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The goal of missions is that that kind of people, those kind of people, that sort of massive throng of people from every language and every people group and every ethnicity all around the world would be gathered around the throne worshiping the Lamb who saved them. Missions is all about worship. Worship is the goal of missions. We want more people to worship Jesus. That's what we're pursuing. That's why we go. But missions is more, or I'm sorry, worship is more than just the goal of of missions. Uh, Because I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear that idea, I'm like, yes, I agree with that. That's great. But it feels a little bit abstract. So worship, it kind of comes down uh, and it gets boots on the ground here. Worship is not just the goal of missions, but worship is actually the fuel of missions. It's worship that drives us out on mission so that more worshipers would come worship Jesus. It's the second side to the same proverbial coin, if you will. Just as the desire for more worshipers of Jesus drives us to mission, so our own love for Jesus... Our own worship motivates us and drives us to missions. It's it's the fuel for mission. We do this all the time. Like, we're used to this. When you find a great new restaurant, what do you do? You tell somebody about it, right? You found the best place. Okay, in Jacksonville, it's, it's like all seafood and tacos, and I'm all about it. It's great. So let's say you just found the best tacos in Jacksonville. So it's Taco Lou, okay? (laughs) And you've just tried the $10 taco. Don't worry, it only actually costs five, but it's called a $10 taco. Do you know what the $10 taco is? It is delicious. It's filet mignon in a taco. So that's like my favorite meat in the world, the unequivocal best meat on the planet. I'm just kidding. But my favorite meat in like the best meat delivery system in the world. Literally, like it's filet in a taco. Um, that's awesome. So you've just tried the $10 taco at Taco Lou, and you've said, I've had the best taco that, that mankind can know. <laughs> so you post it on your Instagram and your Facebook, and you text your friends about it, and you tell, tell your neighbors and your friends about it, right? Like, that's what we do when we find something really, really good. I'm joking. I mean, okay, the taco, it's funny. But, um, but we do that when we find something that we really like, that's really valuable to us, and that we think is worth other people participating in. We do that with songs that we discover and really love. We do that with our favorite books and our favorite movies and TV shows. When we find something that we think is valuable and it's worth our attention and it's worth other people's attention, we tell them about it and like, get their attention on it, don't we? That's, that's worship and missions. We have something so much more valuable than a taco with filet mignon on it, as good as that taco might be. 
The gospel is of inestimable value. It is infinitely more valuable than any of the best stuff on this planet. It's so valuable that the Bible would describe it uh, as a treasure. So wonderful that if it was buried in a field, someone would rightly sell everything else that they have in the world just to buy the field to dig up the treasure. That's how valuable the gospel is. That's what it's worth. We're told that Jesus is so valuable that everything else in the world amounts literally to a pile of garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. So why on earth wouldn't we tell everybody about something that valuable? If I just spent three minutes telling you about this taco you have to go try, how absurd is it to not talk about Jesus? The bread of life, who we've tasted and seen, is good and gracious and kind and worth more than anything else in the world. Why wouldn't we invite everyone that we possibly can to know him, to love him, to worship him, to fulfill the, the, the purpose for which they were created and for which they exist, to glorify and enjoy him forever? That's how worship fuels our mission. It's the goal. We want people to worship Jesus. We want more and more people to worship Jesus. But it's also the fuel. As we worship him, as we see and remember and even expand our understanding of how great and how worthy and how good and how gracious he is, that drives us out to get more people to experience that and to worship him as a result. This is how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 5 when we find something this valuable that needs to be shared. He says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We've got the light of the world in Jesus. We don't hide it. We let it shine. We've got the bread of life. We don't stuff it in the back of the cupboard. We go tell everybody, we've got the bread of life. Come feast with us. Our lives orient us towards the mission when we understand the greatness of Jesus and the worthiness of Jesus. When we've experienced life and joy and rest in Jesus that we're promised, that drives us out to invite other people to partake of the same things in Christ. It drives us out. It fuels us to go invite more people to partake in the gospel. And here, like, here's the thing, and this is, I think, really important and freeing. Not all of us are called to do what jazz is doing. Not all of us are called to literally sell almost everything we have and move halfway around the world to work with displaced, abused Muslim women and share the gospel with them. That's incredible. Like, praise God that he's calling jazz there and he calls other people there. And he might be calling some of us to do things like that. But that's not the only thing it means to be on mission. That's not the only kind of missions that our worship fuels. 
what we're called to do is faithfully carry the name of Jesus out with us in whatever context God has placed us. There are a lot of ways that we do that. And I think we have a unique uh, opportunity to do that um, in the place and time that we live. Let's look back at the very end of Psalm 67, if you're still there. The last two verses say, The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So there's a switch. It's talking about mission. Then suddenly it's talking about um, like very tangible sort of physical blessings from God. And then it goes back to mission. And what it's telling us, what the, imp- the implication that's here, is that the things that God gives to us are supposed to be leveraged for the mission. Here's how um, some modern hymn writers, Keith and Kristen Getty, put it, citing this psalm. They say, may the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. There's probably, not probably, there is certainly no collective group of people who have experienced more earthly material blessing than uh, modern Americans. Like in the history of the world, every single one of us in this room, no matter how much you think you have or don't think you have compared to other people around you um, or whatever, every single one of us honestly is filthy rich compared to like 98% of the world today and over the course of human history. We have been unbelievably blessed with stuff. God's given us a lot of resources. Do you know what those resources are for? Ultimately, those resources are for the, for the furtherance of the mission. We have an opportunity to further the mission in a way that, that, uh, that other people throughout human history just have, have not had. And there's more to it than, uh, than just kind of physical financial resources, although that's like a unique um, experience of, of us in America, right? We have a lot of that. Let's leverage it. But there's a lot of other resources that God gives to us uh, that we're supposed to leverage for the mission. We have the, the money and the things that he, that he gives to us, but we have uh, relationships. We have our time and our gifts. Some of you guys have like your very relatable personality that people are just drawn to and you can get a conversation to the gospel in like five seconds somehow and no one knows how you do it. All of these things, all, all of the resources that God has blessed us with in, uh, in, our, in, our, I guess in our finances and what we have and in who we are and what we do, all of that is supposed to be leveraged for the mission, for the glory of Jesus. Every single part of us, everything we are, everything we have. And we can uniquely leverage that for the glory of God. I'm not here to tell you exactly how to do that because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how to do that. So the, the takeaway here is not, I better sell all of my stuff and live in a box under the bridge and put all of the proceeds and all of my time into evangelism. I mean, like, if you want to do that, if God's calling you to do that, awesome. Go live in a box under a bridge and just do evangelism all the time. Maybe don't live in a box, but you get it. <laughs> that's what tents are for. That's, that's what tents are for, sure. At least get a tent. I... <laughs> Oh, man. I'm not telling you that the Bible says not to have a nice house or a nice car or a nice pool or nice clothes or a nice boat or take nice vacations. All of that's good stuff. We're supposed to enjoy the good gifts that God gives to us, too. 
But our, our orientation and our priority in every single part of our life and with every single part of who we are and what we have is the glory of Jesus and the advance of the mission, the advance of the gospel. That's the priority. We leverage ourselves, lay down our lives and take up our cross for the glory of the name of Jesus. That happens because we're worshiping, because we're seeing the glory and the value, the worth of Jesus. And it happens because we want other people to do the same thing. So yeah, worship, missions exists because worship doesn't. And worship is both the fuel and the goal of missions. That's the priority. That's the end game. That's what all of human history is moving towards. That all the peoples would praise God gathered around the throne. So you don't have to go overseas. You can do mission at home with your kids if you have them, grandkids if you have them. We're pursuing the mission with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. We're pursuing the mission in all of the circles of people that we, that we regularly have contact with. The person who cuts your hair, you probably go, at least most of you, probably go to the same person to cut your hair every four weeks or five weeks or eight weeks or however often it is that you get your hair cut, right? That person's a gospel target. Go do some mission. You probably see the same barista or baristas at your Starbucks or Urban Bean or Bold Bean or whatever is your Jacksonville coffee shop of choice. <laughs> They're gospel targets. That's what it looks like to, uh, to really start to lay our lives down for the mission. It starts at home. It starts in the, the, the uh, relationships and the circles of influence that we already have. It starts with prayer. Praying for missionaries like Jazz. Praying that more people, as, as Jesus says, more people would be sent out, laborers into the field for harvest. He's talking about missions when he says that. It means we're praying for, um, for unbelieving friends and family members, for the people that we're connected to, for the people that other people in our, uh, in our church are connected to and are sharing the gospel with. It means we're praying that, pe- all, that all the people would praise God, <laughs> that people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language would be saved, um, that they might know his saving power and that they might give him the glory that's due his name. That's where mission starts. And then for some of us, it extends and, uh, and we do go, we go overseas, we go to Germany, we go to, uh, to Africa, to the Sudan, like Dan and Leslie Halverson that we've supported for years. Um, the Lord calls us in those kinds of places, or the Lord calls us in short-term mission trips, and we go to Brazil for 10 days, or a long-term mission trip, and you go away for a semester to serve on the mission field. For some of us, that's where this is going. But our calling, our responsibility, and our opportunity is to use, is to leverage uh, every single part of our lives, every single part of who we are, what we have, for the glory of God. That's what it looks like to live lives on mission. That's what Jesus calls us to in the Great Commission. His final words to his followers before he ascends are to go and make disciples of all nations. That's going to be our benediction at the end of the service today. Spoiler alert. 
as we're sent out. But there's a reason that we, we uh, end every single service here on Sunday with a benediction and that we call it sending. If you've got like the bulletin and the liturgy in front of you, it actually says sending at the end. Because here's what happens. As, worship, as our worship fuels missions, we get in here and we, we uh, read scripture and we sing songs and we hear sermons preached and prayers prayed about the, about the gospel and about the glory of Jesus. And then we get sent out to do something with it. This is like the pep rally to go out and share the gospel because we've seen, we've glimpsed again how great he is and how worthy he is. And we, we are reminded like how much we want other people to taste and see that he's good. So then we're sent at the end to go and do exactly that. Our shorthand way of talking about it around here is to grow in the gospel and go with the gospel. It means that we want to be in fulfillment of the Great Commission, uh, the call of Jesus to his people. We want to be ever-growing, ever-worshiping, disciple-making disciples in whatever, the, in whatever context the Lord has placed us, being faithful to pursue mission for the glory of God, that all the peoples might praise him. We're going to end the morning by singing about this. We're going to sing that all the earth will sing his praise. In every language, Jesus' name will be lifted high around the throne. So until he comes, we go. Because we know that's, that's where we're headed. Every language, Jesus' name is lifted high around the throne. So we go on mission. Why? Because we know how glorious and how worthy and how valuable he is, and we give him glory, yet still, forever and ever, no matter how much worship we pour out, still he's worthy of more. Because he is that great. Maybe you're here uh, this morning and, and you're not a Christian. First of all, I want to tell you we're glad that you're here. We anticipate that you'll be here. We want you to be here. So maybe you're asking the question this morning, like, how do I actually get that sort of, of, of a glimpse of Jesus? How do I experience the sort of life and joy and rest that would then drive me out to do something for the glory of Jesus? And the answer is very simple. Uh, the answer is simply that we repent of our sins. It means we acknowledge our sin to God and agree with him that it separates us from him and is deserving of his wrath. And we put our faith in Jesus, in his life, and his death, and his resurrection to save us from our sin. You can do that in your seat right now. And you can join this army of worshipers going out on mission to recruit more worshipers. Because you too will taste the goodness and grace and glory of our God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we go with the gospel that more people might experience true, unshakable, eternal life and joy in Jesus. And so that Jesus might receive more of the glory that he deserves. So let's pray for that. Then let's sing about it. And then let's go pursue it. Let's pray. Father, we praise you because you are great and awesome and holy and glorious so much so that we can't even begin to comprehend you. But we praise you because as we've said and sung this morning, you have condescended to us 
You have stooped down into your creation in Christ to pursue uh, people who had rebelled against you and run away from you. You pursued us, and in Christ you made a way that we uh, might be reconciled to you, that we might be forgiven of our sins, that we might know you, love you, and be called your sons and your daughters instead of your enemies. May we never lose the wonder of that. And I pray as we see that again and as we're reminded of your glory and of your grace, I pray that you would use that to drive us out, to fuel our mission. Create in us like a deep longing for Jesus to be glorified more and more and for more and more people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation to know him, to love him, to worship him. We pray that you would use us to accomplish this. Uh, We know that we actually can't uh, convince anyone of the truth of the gospel. We can't convince anyone to be saved. We don't have that kind of power in us. But we know that you're working and that your word is powerful and that your spirit is, uh, is powerful and is convincing people of the truth of the gospel and is drawing them to repentance and faith in Jesus and to worship of Jesus. So would you help us to move out in the freedom of that, faithfully holding out the gospel that all the people might praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.